The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Okay, so I don't know if it's going to be last year on Shavuot. I'm at the end of my. I was at the end of my rope last time, uh, and I feel like I'm at the end of my rope again. As opposed to being climbed up the rope a little bit. Yes. <laughs> so let's review what we did last time. Okay, so the main idea last time was the main takeaway was that God doesn't listen to every tefillah, right? God only listens to certain tefillahs. And we had that from several sources, right? One was um, uh, the most overt one was the Abu Dhiram who said that the correct Yersa is not that you are a God who listens to our Tfilos and our Tachanunin because he says, if you said that, then that would imply that God always listens to our Tfilos and Tachanunin, but we're not so worthy that he does that. So we are saying that God is a God who listens to Tfilos and Tachanunim, not necessarily ours, okay, which means that it might not be, and it might not be ours, okay. Second uh, indication we had was the alternative Yersa of Baruch Hashem Shamea HaTfilah, the Tfilah, meaning like the one that is worthy, not all Tfilah. Another indication we had, yeah, you have something like that? Are those things called the Hey Hayadiyah or Hey Hayadiyah? Hey Hayadiyah, yeah. Um, uh, And... uh, the other uh, indication we had was from the source of Shema Koleno that we saw that the Jews cried out in Mitzrayim and the Jews who cried out with a na'aka to God with tshuva. And then there's the Jews who just cried out and God did not respond to the second Jews. He responded to the first Jews who, who like were crying out in truth. And then we also, the most overt thing is the positive. We saw that Midrash that says it's not, uh, you might think it's Karo V'shem L'chol Korav. Right. So you have to actually be calling out to God in truth. Okay. So God doesn't listen to all tefillahs. Right. So then the question was, what tefillahs does God listen to? So what I did was I took what we did last time, melted it into the old PowerPoint. Uh, and so I'm going to review the PowerPoint and then segue into the new part for today. Okay. Um, so Ayala, this might seem familiar to you, but hopefully you are a different mind than you were four years ago, <laughs> three years ago. Whatever. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, so you'll see new things. Okay. All right. Um, hold on just a second here. Okay. So we had the question. Uh, this is our basic question also. What does it mean for God to listen to Tefillah? So we had the, the Targum, which we did last time. We're going to review this again. Ramam says uh, in the Morning of Uchim, 148, in all cases in which the notion of listening occurs with reference to Hashem, May be exalted, you will find that Uncle Hager avoids the expression and explains its meaning as signifying that the matter in question reached him, may be exalted, meaning that he apprehended it. Okay, so that's apprehension, which is a whole other account of worms about what it means for God to know something. Uh, okay, or this is the one we want to focus on. It, if it, re- it occurs with regards to tefillah, he interprets its meaning as signifying that he accepted it or did not accept it. Okay, and then he gives examples. Thus, he always says in his translation, Hashem heard means it was heard before Hashem. Uh, and with regards to tefillah, he translates, I will surely listen to his outcry as I will surely accept his outcry. This is a consistent principle in his explanation, and he does not deviate from it in any place. What? Okay, so Targum's answer, when the Torah says Hashem uh, listens to tefillah, it means that the tefillah is accepted by him. So then we raised a slew of questions, uh, which I think I tried to get all of them. What does it mean to accept tefillah? Why does Uncle Lewis think that accepting tefillah is better than listening to tefillah? What do we make of the fact that listen to is active? Right. I listen to tefillah versus accept is passive, like I'm the recipient of it. You know, um, what are the criteria for an acceptable tefillah? And then how does this affect our intent when we daven in hopes that Hashem listens to our tefillahs? So the main answer, which, again, has been the, the through line, I think that's the expression through the entire thing, uh, I find best expressed in that mission in Avos. Make his will like your will so that he will make your will like his will. Nullify your will before his will. So that he will nullify the will of others before your will. Okay, the second one's harder to explain. Yeah, was that? Very good mission. Yeah, now again, I, I got to make, I got to come clean here. I have not seen anyone apply that to tefillah. Okay, but to me, this is the essence of tefillah. So either I'm totally wrong or it's Pasha to everyone else, you know. Um, or I, I don't, it, look, this is what they're saying. If this is a Chiddush, <laughs> then uh, I don't trust it. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but uh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, um, okay, so, um, but this is the, this is what you're doing in Tefillah, right? So the, the idea is 
to put it in one sentence, if you make your tefillah acceptable to Hashem, meaning you make it in line with reality, then it must by definition be listened to and answered. Okay. And I can't stress this enough. Again, I've said this for years, but like just the other day, I had a really good tefillah and it was a tefillah where there was a situation of adversity. In fact, it was influenced by my, the Mishle Pasuk we were doing, you know, and it was a situation of adversity. And uh, because I think because we had done that Pasuk and Mishle, I was able to change my Bakasha and it just, again, this is going to sound like I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. It just, it hit me like a ton of bricks that the whole thing in Jewish tefillah is you are, the whole thing is you're just changing yourself to align yourself with God's will. And then you have to, it has to be that you get what you want. Like it is a guaranteed answer to your tefillah that you get what you want, but it is such a, it's not just different. It's opposite of the tefillah of everyone else of like trying to change God. And like, I feel like this is one of these things where like that, uh, Gaon that Rabbi Moskowitz always quotes, which I don't know who it is, Rafai Gaon, uh, or, uh, um, one of the other Gaonim, like he would do tshuva every day on like, uh, because he would get more ideas Hashem and realize that the, the God he was worshiping was uh, a distortion. You know, I feel like this is a thing where like the more I'm going to get these insights and levels up in tefillah and it's going to express itself in exactly the same way. But I'm going to realize that I, on some level was believing that I'm changing God, you know, and like, like, you know, each, each step forward is a realization that no, all the changes on me. Yeah. tomorrow And then, uh, Ooh, tomorrow and Isaiah, we got, yeah. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, yeah. Can you spell out again? I'm sure this is again, but I'm like not seeing it. Fine. How this is, um, uh, that this means that your tefillah must by definition be listened to. Yeah, so I think it's easiest to see in the um, uh, in this. Make his will like your will so that he will make your will like his will, right? So let's take an extreme example. Okay, let's take an extreme example. Moshe Rabbeinu, okay? Moshe Rabbeinu wants to go into Eretz Yisrael and lead the Jews in after the, after, even after the Chet, right? Okay, so, that's, so he attempts to daven for that, right? And he gets a bunch of no's, right? So now what is he going to do in his tefillah? Change it, right? So what is his change going to be? Well, what do you, I mean, I, I don't think we have a record of that tefillah, but what do you think he davened? Why is this thing for God's, under the way that God's running the world, this makes more sense. Well, what, what's his bakasha going to be? Now that he knows that God's not going to grant his first bakasha. Which, which one, which, his first bakasha was that he would lead the Jews into Eretz Yisrael. Oh, so then let me go in as not the leader. Okay, but then let's say that doesn't, the God says you're going to die here, right? Nice. We know we know the story. What happened? Whatever is best for Who took over from Moshe? Yoshua. Yoshua, right. Okay, so what's Moshe going to have done for? Yoshua has a good time leading. Exactly, right? Now, since that is not a good time. Woo! That Moshe's, you know, that, that Yoshua uh, ends up being a uh, an adequate uh, uh, replacement for Moshe to the extent that he can, and that Moshe can do everything that he can to uh, to help Yoshua to achieve that and to help Claudius Rolla come to terms with that. Okay, that's, I mean, I'm not Moshe, but that's what I would daven if I were Moshe, right? So here's the thing, okay, is that if Moshe is davening for that, and that is Hashem's will, it has to come true. That is Hashem's will. And and the more, no, you're always going to, unless you're Moshe, you're going to have, you're not going to have complete knowledge of God's will. So what you're trying to do is you're endeavoring to, to a- approach Ratzon Hashem in your Bakashos to the extent possible. And the daily tefillah that you're doing is this process of like, like, you know, trying to get as close as you can with your understanding and, and changing your will to be in line with God's will. And the, to the extent that you're successful in that, then what you want will come true. Does that uh, answer your question tomorrow or is it still unclear? Yeah, that's helpful. Thank you. Okay, uh, David, and then uh, Ariel. Yeah. Okay, one, no, two things. One just to follow up on that. Then. Yeah. So then, two things. Uh, yeah. So then, is what's happening to Tefillah? Then it's more just similar with Bex and with Moshe. Is that just then like an exercise to get oneself to best understand what God's will is uh, in their personal situation? Yes. In fact, I got to quote Rambam so much so that I got to quote Rambam. This is a great Rambam to know. Not that there are. <laughs> that those are lacking in uh in supply uh but uh anyone familiar you know don't say it but anyone familiar with the uh the mitzvah to run to shul uh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i've heard of it okay do you know the source yeah okay this is a great one 
there's a mitzvah to run to shul. Um, <laughs> okay, hold on just a second here. Uh, oh my, we're slowing down again. Okay. Um, it's in Hillis Tefillah, I believe. I don't know which parrot now. It's Mutter Duran Shabbos, right? Uh, it's Mutter Duran Shabbos. Well, it's Mutter, yeah, it's Mutter to run to any mitzvah, actually, um, or to run for fun. Um, really? Yep. Oh. As long as it's for enjoyment, not for. Uh, okay. Uh, no, this is not it. Is it nine? I want to say it's six, but that doesn't make any sense, though. Oh, uh, but this is it. Is it? Hold on. No. Seven. No. Eight. Oh, it, it was eight. That was the first thing I, I did. Okay. Mitzvah la roots la beis It's a mitzvah to run to shul. Shnemar v'neida nirdefa la das es Hashem. We will chase after seeking knowledge of Hashem. Okay. So you see from there that tefillah is a form of seeking Yediyah Hashem. Okay. Right. Um, so the, ask your question again. Uh, just from what you had said, it sounded like then what tefillah is, is in, if you make an exercise to get ourselves to understand what God's will is in our personal situation. Yes. That is a good summary. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and again, it's going to always be a combo of understanding God's will in general and then understanding how it applies to our personal situation. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then you said you had two questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So then so far as um, the tefillah getting answered then. Yeah. Um, okay. So in light of what you were saying, whichever column that was, um, and like, so if a tefillah is a proper tefillah, then that's what we'll get answered on. Whatever you have, it's just something helpful. Also, but um, okay, if we make our tefillah acceptable, then then my definition must be listened to. So this might be too deep of a question to ask, or too far a question to ask. But is that going to be like in reference to the person and like how much they've pushed themselves forward to like their understanding or the greatest understanding they can have? Or so far as a more objective, like that is a true objective idea versus not. And I can clarify what I mean. Yeah. So, far as, um, so say like with that or whichever film that was that so maybe like they were like he was at his he pushed himself as far as he could possibly understand. That. Yeah. And so it's typical that they were as great as understanding as he could. Yeah. But say if that were still, I mean, like assign numbers to it. Say that was only like 20% correct ideas of God. And like, yeah. The next thing he made up to 21. So is there like, would it be that like he made it to 20% on 20% that he could. So would that be an acceptable tip you off in this regard? Or would it be <laughs> like, you have to hit like 90%. Okay. Um, so uh, I'm just going to use a physical phone because it's too slow to go onto the thingy. Um, so I was talking about this with, with Rindy the other day. Okay. Uh, and another one of these things where we, this is an open pasuk, but it only just hit me like uh, like the other day uh, that in the beginning of Parshas Vayera, it says, um, it says, okay, Elohim Moshe Ani Hashem. Okay. So I appeared to Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov with the name Kel Shakai, and my name Yodkevavke was not known to them. Okay. So it just hit me. I mean, Avraham only knew Kel Shakai. Now, Avraham was really great. Okay. Right. But he, he maxed out. And Moshe knew Yodkevavke. And in fact, not that we know even what Avram did, but we have access to Yoke Vavke, right? So, like, the question is, I mean, so... Moshe maxed out also, yeah, but he maxed out, like, by the limit. <laughs> the limits, <laughs> ultimate limits. No, you're right, yeah. That, that helps put things in perspective, though. Oh, it definitely does, yeah, right. You can't get to, you know, the nth degree. Like Correct, that. right. So the, so the thing is, is like this, is let's say when Avram Davins, right, he's using the greatest Yediyah Hashem that he has, Right. And yet there is another level. There's Moshe's level, right? So the question is like, you know, um, to put it, uh, to try to restate what you said, like, that's what you're asking about, right? Is that like, Avram's doing the best that he can. Can, can you say it one more time? Uh, yes, I mean, in that regards, right? Say like, yeah. um, like maybe like, so my question would be, if say Avram was doing as best he could with only knowing Kel Shakai, yeah, right? Is that like since for he as a person he did one hundred percent of what he as a person can do, then that would be an acceptable tefillah, or does that have to be someone who maybe like knows Kel Shakai knows? Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So, so like ex- acceptable tefillah is levels. 
right? There's gradients. Okay. okay. So, so there are different levels of acceptability and Avram's tefillah is not as, as good as Moshe's tefillah because his level of Yudhiya Hashem is not as great as Moshe's tefillah. So, but is that the best that he can do? Yes. And is that the only thing he can be expected to do? Yes. So parts of being acceptable, because if it's going to be in line with, right. Except yeah. for Hashem, i.e. in line with reality. Right. So, but let's take an opposite example. Yeah. Let's take a five-year-old who's car, uh, who is Kor Hashem with all of his understanding. So even though he's doing the best that he can, let's say he still can't help but think of God as a man with a beard. So his tefillah will not be acceptable, not because of lack of trying and he is maxing out, but it is not in line with, with reality. You know, now there's a huge gray realm in between because we don't have any positive knowledge of God. And I don't know how to, I don't know how to deal with that, but uh, so yeah. Question, <laughs> question so do you think that then say for ourselves or for most people that then we sit in that gray realm where we don't know whether or not we're in the like, objective like like in in an objective sense that like you've removed enough improper ideas that like you've made it to yeah reality or it's going to be i don't think we're gonna ever know i think we have to live with that insecurity okay yeah uh yeah so i wanted to ask a follow-up question on what you said before yeah about um yeah so but like I feel like the way that that tefillah would come true, okay, it's it's gonna come true because it's within reality. But at the same time, doesn't it make sense for Yeshua to dominate that? Oh, he should also dominate for that, right? So, but I know, but I'm saying like Moshe dominating for that. How will that change? Things because Moshe can still have an influence over um over over Yeshua and over the people. How so? He's Rabino, Moshe Rabino. So he can teach them, he can influence them. So he can make decisions to facilitate Yeshua's uh, transition, smooth transition of leadership. Oh, so he's going to teach it to them, but but uh, they weren't in the stage of tefillah. Right, but the so, tefillah is going to affect, the whole point of the tefillah is that it's going to affect how he acts and makes decisions afterwards. Uh, right, and that's the interplay between tefillah and then action and then tefillah and then action. Oh, I see. Yeah. He's, he's acting. That's like the guy who dobbins for God to uh, make his field successful. Uh, but that's only going to work if he plows and plants his field, you know, so he's going to have to do that also. So yeah. He's acting, you know, whatever, so that you should know, right, like right. transition. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. So now we get to the new phase, which Ariel's been waiting for, for, for months. Okay. It's not just me. So I think I'm wrong. Okay. So is this the only way that Hashem answers our tefillah? And the answer is no. Okay. Because I, I, tomorrow, I apologize. I just now remembered that on Wednesday night, you sent me a question, which I read in my, you know, when I get home after my bedtime, I can't think about anything. So like, I just totally forgot about your question until now, which is why I didn't acknowledge it. Uh, Cause I forgot about it. So the question was, uh, do you think that in taking this approach that we've said up until now, there is a danger of a kind of trap? Okay, uh, my strength and the might of my own hand. I'm thinking specifically of da- the davening for Hashgah HaKlalas, where the preparation for tefillah and the act of davening can reorient you towards reality and get you to act in ways that helps fulfill your needs. And then next text, I guess I'm thinking, if you go into davening thinking something like, this is a, like a thought exercise that will help me think more rationally and achieve my goals, is that bad? It seems bad to me, but I can't exactly put my finger on why. And if it is bad, I'm not sure how to separate it out from the ideas we've been discussing. Okay. Yeah. I kind of maybe put my finger on why sure. it sounds bad. Yeah. Um, it seems like God only plays a part in like in 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 the way that she's setting up there. Yeah. It seems like God only plays a part in the sense that like, God dictates what reality is. But other than that, it's all like, up to us just to do yeah. it. And that like, oh yeah, so when we say God has your stilo, but it just means that God exists, and then we try to get a right. Of that. Which, like, on the one hand, sounds like kind of bad. On the other hand, it kind of sounds like it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the that's exactly dilemma. Tomorrow, you want anything before I uh, answer? No, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think to express this in Chazal's language, there is a reality of hakol bideshmaim chutzmi yirashmaim, right? And Ramam says yirashmaim is free will and everything that you do based on your, your decisions. Okay. So on the one hand, it is the only area where you can say, meaning where you can take credit for the decisions you make. <laughs> On the other hand, you have to think about the fact, right? <laughs> In other words, the analogy I like to give, and I, I, I want to say that Levy came up with this analogy when we were learning um, 146 in 2017. I think that was, uh, I think that was when it was, but I, 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 I might, I can't remember if we both came up with this. Uh, the video game analogy, right? So let's say like you're really good at a video game, 
Okay. And you play it and you like beat the hardest level. So you're going to take all this credit, right? But then you realize that like the person who, who created and programmed the game is really the one who made or braid, no braid, made or broke your success in the sense that let's say he says, okay, let me make a hard version of the game. And he programs it in a different way. Well, so now you're not beating it. Now it's true that you had to actually go through the effort to learn it and to like do the actions. So that's the Yerushimayim, but everything else, the existence of the game and your ability to play it and the phenomenon of the success is all due to, to the creative game. So like you have to recognize both. And it's a funny thing. Cause it like, I'm tempted to make like a pie chart of like 99.99% is in God's control. Like 0.1% is in your control, but it's kind of not really capturing the reality because without you making the right decisions and seeking the knowledge, then like you don't have anything, but also without everything that God does, you don't have anything. Yeah. Do you have that idea written up anymore? I don't think I do. Okay. Yeah. I really like it. I I like it too. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, I could write it up. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll add it to the list. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, um, so I think that might be one way to address this Koki Botamiyadi. Yeah. It is all on you, but the problem with Koki Votamiyadi is not the fact that you're taking credit. It's the fact that you're taking all the credit or the fact that you're taking the main credit. The oh, fact that, what was that? Or the wrong credit, right? The fact that you're saying, like, let's say I planted my crops and I got, and I harvested them and it's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of uh, abundance. So you're saying, this is me, but really you don't have any crops if it weren't the fact that God made rain and God made the ability of the crops to grow and God gave you the ability to walk and to use your muscles and use your brain, you know, all of that. So it ends up being that you really can't take so much credit for it. So I think as long as you keep that perspective of everything that God is doing and that it's, you're getting what you want because God is providing it, then I think that can keep you with the, in the proper mentality. That's yeah. yeah. No, I was going to say like, that's a, it was about like, um, in the Gemara where Abram invites people to the tent. Yeah, right. Them down, you know, like, right, who are you thinking? Really right. Thinking. So that's one answer. But I think the other thing that might be bothering tomorrow, I don't. I can't speak for tomorrow. The, the other thing, if this idea doesn't sit well with people, I, I think it does feel like, um, like you're the only active party in the thing and that God is passive. Okay, now... There's a truth to that, and there's a tremendous danger to that. Okay, the truth to that is God doesn't change, right? And that's true. Okay, God doesn't change. That's be the premise of everything. The the falsehood in that is that you can't let your emotions relate to that in that way because that will lead you. That's like in that uh, Sefer Ikarim, not the one we did, but the one um, in Book Two, Chapter Two and Three, where it talks about. Um, the nature of God's actions. Does God act by will or does he act by compulsion? And the ultimate, and he goes and shows problems with each one is that if you say God acts by free will, so then free will is only present with a being who can choose good or choose bad, but like God only chooses or can choose multiple things, but God can only, you know, do good. And so you can't say he acts with free will. And also free will only exists when you have parts and God is one. But you say he acts by compulsion. So things acting by compulsion is an inferior level of knowledge and then, uh, of action. And then you'll say that human beings are on a greater level. So the answer that he comes up with is we say that God acts freely by will, but only to negate compulsion. But God's free will is of a completely different nature than our free will, and we can't understand it. So it's a completely um, equivocal term, right? That God acts freely. The only free will we can understand is human free will. God acts freely, and we just say that to negate compulsion. So to hear, God, we, we use all of, you know, if you were to say that God acted by compulsion, you would end up re- reducing God to a an inert force, and then you'd feel like you're the superior actor in the universe. And then that's going to destroy your relationship with God. And it's going to also block you from getting whatever idea you can get of God acting with free will. Cause God is not compelled to do anything, you know? So I think there is a danger that this is why all of the language that we use about God in the lesson of Adam is active. You know, God listens to Tefillah and God responds to Tefillah and God, you know, uh, is Moshia and Matziel and Goel and all this other stuff because the alternative would be a distortion, even though we have to understand that God doesn't change. 
you know? So it's, it is a tightrope that you have to walk. And this is not just in, in tefillah. This is like in the whole way you relate to God is that you have to like walk this tightrope of recognizing the intellect, the, you know, the, uh, uh, what is true according to the objective truth that God doesn't change, but then your emo- you have to cultivate your emotions to relate to God in a, uh, a, a psychologically healthy way that, that lends itself to your development and not to like your distortions. Yeah. So those are my answers tomorrow. Thanks. I think I have to think about it a little bit, but yeah. I, this is good. So do I. Let's think about it. Yeah. Okay. So now let's get to the final piece of the puzzle. Maybe. Okay. Is this the only way God answers tefillah? The answer is no. Okay. There is another level. There's advanced tefillah. Okay. And the example I'm going to choose is, uh, is Brachy's 2521. I don't know if anyone, it's possible you heard me. I gave this over on a Friday night many years ago. Um, but I haven't written it up yet. Don't tell me how many years ago. Okay. Yeah. I think you're the only one who would have been there. So this is, um, well, I remember you started giving, I, I, you started giving like a tefillah saga sheer around like a few years ago, like three, four years ago. This wasn't even a sheer. This was like a Friday night. Thing. Uh, Friday yeah, night yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, it says, So Yitzchak, so our school translates it as entreated. Okay. But we're going to have to translate what Yitzchak is. Uh, regarding his wife, or according to Rashi, facing his wife, because she was barren. And our school again translates it as Hashem was entreated by him. And Rivka, his wife, became pregnant. Okay. So that's the Pasuk. Onkelos changes all the ones I put in bold. Vitzali Yitzchak. Yitzchak davened, Kadam Hashem instead of to Hashem, okay, before Hashem, okay, one uh, step removed. Lekabil itasei, regarding his wife, or opposite his wife, Are Akarahi, because she was barren. Lekabil itasei, okay, same translation, his prayer was accepted by Hashem. Vaadias Rivka itasei, and his wife became pregnant. Okay, so, so Targum doesn't distinguish between what we're about to see and the normal way of answering tefillah. Okay, but Rashi points out, Vyetar, what does it mean? Hirba v'hiftzir b'tefila. Okay, and the best translation uh, uh, hiftzir is to pester or pressure. Uh, so Yitzchak excessively pressured Hashem in tefila. Okay, that's a little weird, yeah, right? Do you do remember this? Okay, yeah. All right. Uh, then v'yeaser lo Hashem nispater Hashem was pressured, and this is almost I can't even say it. Nispatelot Hashem was duped by him, was duped or seduced by him, like like Pesi in Mishle, right? Or or mispate b'yitzro. Okay, like Ilmali Mikra, well, Ilmali Rashi Kasav Yeshalomra, you know. So, like, like it's, it's so the question, there are a bunch of questions and problems. <laughs> okay, so question one first of all, how is this Lushna of Atara, the Yesar, different from regular Tefila? We don't, we don't, uh, you know, uh, I, I mean, if I asked you what this meant, you probably would not be able to say, okay, why excessive, right? Hirbe. Right. So either his request is valid or not. What's the idea of repetition or excess or quantity? Right. Why would that make it more more uh, effective? Three biggest question. How can we say that Hashem was pressured and seduced by Yitzchak? You can't pressure or do Hashem. OK. And then the fourth question, which I don't know if it's a good question. So I put it in uh, parentheses. Generally speaking, we don't use this verb or this noun of Atara. And why not? We talk about, you know, mispalel to Hashem. And uh, you know, siach and vayifka b'makom, but we don't really use this term vayatar. Uh, uh, okay, uh, you know the only other place that I can think of where it uses it. I'll give you a hint. It's in Yitzchak Mitzrayim. When? No. What are you about to say? It sounds like you're about to say it. Sfardea. Okay. Uh, it says, uh, so this is after the plague hits. I actually have not looked at this here, by the way. So so this is something to think about. Um, this is in Ches Dalad. Right. Do atir atara to Hashem. Okay. And then... Um, Moshe responds, Vimra Moshe Lafaro, Hispari Lamase Atir Lacha. When will I be Atir for you? I think that's how it uses it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the question is, what is this uh, Atara? Okay. So we have uh, a Gemara that answers this. 
Okay. Vayetar. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. Okay. Kind of a coincidence there. Okay. Rabbi Yitzchak says, Lama nimshala tfilasam shaltadim la'atar. So atar, uh, what does atar literally mean? I would be impressed if anyone knows this. Yeah, it does mean crown, but I think that is with a tet. Yeah, I think that's with a tet. So it's a shovel. Okay. A shovel. So why are the tefillas of tzaddikim compared to a shovel? Lomar lecha to teach you ma atar just like this shovel mahapech es hatavua mimachum lemachum it transfers produce from one place to another kach tefillas mishal tzaddikim mahapechas midosav shal kadosh baruch hu so so to the tefillas of the tzaddikim transform the midos of kadosh baruch which again midos I like translating as modes of conduct uh, not character traits or traits because God doesn't have midos so this is like um, Arba Midos Batamidim, Arba Midos Bahoghi the base midrash, four modes of conduct, because that's really what they are. It transformed the Midos of Kadosh Baruch Mimidas Ragzanus from the Mida of Rogez's stubbornness or rage, Lamidas Rahmanus, to the Mida of mercy. Now there are two things I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So now the question is what? Right. So this is decoding the mushal, but now the mushal is even more problematic, right? That that the Tvila Tadikim transforms God's Midos from stubbornness to mercy. Okay. Does anyone want to try interpreting this before we uh, look at? Uh, Absolutely. This is like the fun part. It is the fun part. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think it's in line with what we saw of what we've been talking about with Tila. Yeah. Right. This just might be answering like how you can down for somebody else. Kind of yeah. Thing. But. Let's say me. Let's say I see a a a side of for something. Yeah. Then I can be like, I can tap into like what he's recognizing as reality and be like, the fact that he's recognizing that this thing is a good thing. Yeah. And that I, and that therefore I should be like doing like what he's diving for. Then even for like myself, not just like. I'm confused at what question you're trying to answer. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, we want to explain what Yitzchak did, right? Right. Never mind. That was just an idea on how you can... Okay, then that, that, that sounded like it was a good idea. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You don't so, want to focus on this one right now? I do. No, no, no. I, I accidentally focus on the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Tamar or Isaiah? Um, I have like a, like the basic thought, right? Okay. Which is that um, the... Uh, the tzaddik's tefillah is going to raise him to a new level, which might make him subject to different, um, like different hashkacha, different plans of God. You know, like I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if this is the whole thing that it's saying, but that's at least seems like a okay. Effect. That's definitely that is definitely true. Uh, that is definitely true. Yeah, Ariel. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, that is true by anybody, right? Uh, so I mean, but apparently not everyone transforms it from rage to mercy. Right. And that's the difficult part because in general we talk about tefillah should be mercy, right? We were asking God for mercy. You know, So you're gonna have to define what we mean by the mita of rage and uh and then how it changes it. Um yeah, Smar and Isaiah. Yeah, just another thing on the same point, yeah. which is I'm just remembering uh if I'm remembering right, you explaining the mita of mercy as uh relating to a person with respect to their potential. Right. Um, as opposed to just their current state. Right. I don't know what specifically about exotic is tapping into that. Okay. That's a, that's a good move. I, I, I had, did not think about that in regards to this, cause I, I'm going to be going off of the Torah to me misinterpretation, but if we could uh, unify the two, that'd be great. Yeah. I'm wondering also like, I mean, I, my mind wants to say that the meta of rage and stubbornness is kind of just like, yes, I did kind of thing. Okay. Like, You're correct. Like opposite of me. So uh, yeah. Yeah. As we as we say, yeah. Um, so then I'm just I'm not sure why this is dafka to exotic though. It's in the same time, okay. But it seems like maybe it just takes exotic. Uh, the way that I'm seeing like transforming the mitos, yeah, is saying that the person is turning themselves from somebody who's being who's being related to or relating to God in the mitos din sense of like. Of like they're not really for or the, or they just haven't like tapped into the Midas Rachman yet. Sounds kind of like sketchy. Um, like that would be then that they're being related to by the like what I'm kind of viewing like a storm. Yeah. That's like the rage of like Midas Adin kind of okay. Thing. And then 
I'm not sure why it's exotic though. Okay. That takes exotic to like to go from like from that 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 framework and then be able to like through like a single tier or something like that, like be able to just like completely reverse how he's relating to God. Okay. I'm like, it's kind of but by the way, I also don't know the answer, the full answer to this. Okay, I, I I've got something, but uh, okay. it's it, the, the, I do agree that's the most difficult part. Okay, the tzaddik thing. What makes it different? Not, she, she, uh, oh yeah, Ayala. Um, I was thinking maybe like the idea of the shovel transferring produce from one location to another. Is yeah, that's also like, weird muscle. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking maybe it's like taking goods, which are like coming to the world, whatever, and moving them from one place to another. So like Hashem is relating to things in the world one way. Uh-huh. And Sadiq is able to kind of like take that, like kind of like suck into himself kind of because the Sadiq, maybe like the idea of Rahman that we were saying of like, because the Sadiq, is going to be able to use these goods in a better way. So like, even if you wouldn't deserve them, you could kind of like redirect them to himself because he'll be able to use them better. Okay. Of. That's a good, uh, so that's like a, um, let's take, just put into tefillah terms. There is a reality. And most people are just like taking the handout, <laughs> so to speak. Right. But the time, like the, the, the thing that God is handing out. Um, but uh, the topic is, um, <laughs> is, oh, not yeah, no, not like that. <laughs> the tzaddik is uh, is relating to what is given to him in a different way than the natural uh, the natural way of the distribution system or something like that. Like he's relating to it differently. I don't know if that was what you're saying. I didn't really, are you able to say that again? I didn't really understand exactly okay. that. So maybe I don't understand what you're saying. Um, I thought you were saying that God is always giving goods, but the tzaddik is capable of taking those goods and utilizing them or incorporating them or relating to them in a different way. Is that what you're saying or not? Yeah, that. And also though, that even if those goods aren't coming to him, because he's going to be ah. able, if he like recognizes and like consciously decides that he's going to be able to use them in a good way, then he yeah. can make them come to, like, even though they wouldn't have necessarily ah. naturally you're, you're, came to him. A good example of that is Yosef in Egypt, right? That the goods were, the, there was the same amount of produce being made in seven years of plenty than in the seven years of famine. But Yosef took that, the same resources, created a system that through the governance of the system was able to sustain people from those seven years during seven years of famine. That's a real, that's literally shoveling produce into the storehouses. And like, yeah, that, but that's like a good example of that. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, fine. They kind of like, I think, saying along the lines of what I was saying, but also like what I was saying before. Yeah. I feel like the classic mode of of operation. I like your filter job. Of us people, yeah, is that we view reality as like very overwhelming and like very um, unforgiving. Yeah, and yeah, I'm not sure what other adjectives I can put it yeah. right now. And like very confusing and chaotic. And it seems like the, the, that's how most people, like that's how most of us relate to like reality in general. It's like, I don't know what's going on yeah. and everything's going, you know. And then... <laughs> I'm familiar with the club. <laughs> yeah. And then the Tzadik is able to like make sense of that. And ah. That's what it means to be relating from from rage to mercy. Is that yeah. like, is that like, it, it, like I was saying, it's constant goodness. Just we don't know how to relate to that. Right. But the Tzadik is able to like, Okay, so so on the one hand, that's a great idea for this. On the other hand, doesn't quite fit into the pressuring God and duping him, right? That almost sounds like the opposite, right? Yeah. All right. So yeah, Ariel, and then let's go and see the torch beam. Yeah, I I think uh, you know the way fine started off beforehand, not not what he just said, but previously. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that. uh, No, you 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 can interpret my words however you want, but that's not what I'm saying. Mercy, Uh, mercy. Let's interpret this. Yeah, but I, I, you know, like, yeah, I think the, you know, Mita, Mita, uh, 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 Rogzanos, you know, is Mita, Mita had been, and, you know, Mita, Mita's, you know, obviously, Mita's Rafa. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, I think that the re- the reason why, I think this is a shkafe, you know, I, I, I'm going to make that move. This is a promise I'm working on. Okay. You know, because of your transition, you know, that's yeah. the big, big hand over there. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, I don't, th- I don't think, because, like, I think, you know, to Khan's point, that, like, if it's, you know, why specifically said he came, I, I think that uh, if it was referred to everyone, like, it had to have been on a, you know, physical, like, you know, where you can change yourself. But I think 
Tzadikim specifically, like they, you know, are Tzadikim, like they're, they're on a certain level or whatever that, that, you know, Hashem, you know, would care for them. And, you know, somehow or other, like, you know, because of the Tzadik and who he is, like he's able to pressure I don't know, but <laughs> something along those lines. But it's a shkafe. That's that's, that's okay, the problem. Right, it's, okay. I don't think it has anything yeah. to do with. Last thing. Yeah. What if yeah? What if Yitzhak like pestering God is really just from the average person's point of view? Maybe okay, that's totally possible. Yeah, the average person. Yeah, that's totally possible. Like constantly going. Oh, yeah. Like because because we don't work because we don't have that same recognition as he does. Yeah. Like it just looks like he's just like. Okay, I, I actually think that that's a good yeah. approach. That's like, a good like, approach. Avram is Saddam. Yeah. Know, like, like, you know, like that, that's interesting. Whatever, he davened for them and like, right. you know, I want, but I wonder if he was davening because that was like in line with the reality of God. Okay, all right. That, 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 like, is that, that's good. Okay, this is, we're getting there. Yeah, David yeah. and then uh, tomorrow and then back to Khan. Okay, I don't know if this was said by anybody. Oh, just, uh, that I think there could be like a general, like, all things being equal, then God would have acted a certain way. But this tzaddik, then in either I don't want to say because of his standing and status as a tzaddik, because I know there are plenty of issues with that. Um, but something about either like one specific angle that the tzaddik is hitting at, or something in particular, and that makes the all things equal not happening over here. And he in particular is going to break through to one particular thing, that then God is not going to act in that way of. Like, I didn't. I didn't follow. Okay. Um, no, I can see why it wasn't so clear. Um, you want to come back to you? Sure. All right. Uh, I in, uh, tomorrow and then Haim and Ariel, yeah. Um, I'm just reminded, even though I don't think it uses this word for the pestering um, yeah. or or pressuring of uh, Moshe davening that God shouldn't destroy the Jews because of the... Chilas. I was thinking that also. <laughs> I right. literally opened it, so I wouldn't forget. Yeah, yeah. What, what page is it? It's a... Uh, Four four ninety six. Four ninety six. Let me just read it. Four ninety seven in English. Yeah. Yeah. Four ninety. Oh, sorry. Let me go ahead and continue. <laughs> yeah, I was also just going to bring up that example. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. This, it just this. seems relevant. Yeah. Uh, on, on this, I, I associate it to this, and then also to Moshe's feel of when he's about to die. Yeah. Where that's what I was associating to. I, I, this well, is both of those, and then I was trying to like think of other feels of Sadiqim where it seems like they're just bugging God. So that was what that was like. What um, what Ari was saying, like 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 with Avraham. Yeah. He's like he's like oh fifty or hey, whatever. Right. Through this whole like and like whenever I read it, I'm like, what's he doing here? You know. Right. And then. It seems like, and then here, like God even tells Moshe, like, go away from me. Like, let me just. Yeah, well, where, 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 uh, that's um, uh, uh, Lama Bey's uh, test. Test. Yeah. The Yomer Hashem. Viata Hanichli, leave me alone. But yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, and my wrath will blaze against them and I will destroy them right yeah that that Lushan is definitely like leave me alone uh, does Rashi say Hanichli like, kind of yeah. uh, right yeah uh, we got it. yeah you know, we really what we really need really need Jesse to write that book of analyzing all the tefillas in Kulosh <laughs> it's enough that would really help yeah um, yeah tomorrow you want to add no, I have a separate oh. idea. <laughs> oh, so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I really thought that was all. How funny was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, I'm not sure if this is different than what everyone else has been saying. But can you say that, like, when the Sadiq has like a, a tefillah that's on a certain level, it's like creating an, it's changing what reality is entirely. Like. Okay that they like reality ha- had a certain status beforehand. And then when they dive in reality is different okay, now. So that, that is what uh, the torch of me was going to say. And that doesn't mean I understand it, but we're going to try. <laughs> yeah. So you, you're on the right track for the torch of me. Yeah. Climb and then Ariel. Oh, no. I was oh, just going to say your, the, the, the uh, thing. Okay. Thing. Yeah. Ariel. Okay, okay. Okay. So, okay, fine. So b- both Midas Adin and Midas Harakum is in line with reality. Yes. With, okay. okay. That's a good step. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a good that's step. step. Okay. Smooth. They're both in line with reality. Yeah. It's, it's both in God's control. Yeah. Right? Now, now the reason why the tzaddik is able to do this because he's on a certain level and he's, and pestering just means that he's not like changing his, you know, well, he, he's not like, uh, you know, uh, changing reality, you know, when, when he's pestering. <laughs> he's just saying that, look, technically you're right. Like you have Medusa then, but there's also Medusa Rachman. You yeah. know, like, we get it that you want to wipe us out. Okay, perfect, great. Feel free to do that. However, yeah, you know, just 
just have some meters around them and just, yeah. you know, please, you know, do whatever. So, like, you're dabbing for that, and the Tzadik's able to do that because, because he has certain inset of a Kodesh Baruch right. and of the world, and he's able to kind of, you know, be, like, the line of communication between the two. Yeah. You okay. Know, that's kind of So, I, I'm not going to try to bring this up because uh, it's going to take too long. Uh, I like that. And I would love it if what we're about to read can be harmonized with that. Okay. If not, then we'll have two ideas, which are both good. But Rebbe, in his essay on tefillah, I believe it's in his essay on tefillah, says that one of the models of tefillah, which I think he says is pigia, like the, the Lashon used by Yaakov, like v'yifka, v'makom. Uh, yeah. Yifka uh, means to meet, but it also means to like... Um, to entreat like that is what I would use for entreating. Um, uh, I always read that as like a meeting. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it does mean to encounter, but it means, to, like, I don't know what good English word uh, encompasses both, but anyway, that uh, he describes it as you proposing an alternative plan to what the current plan is for Hashem. And if it is an equally viable plan, then God will assist that plan to come to fruition. So that's like, there is a Midas, Midas Adin would dictate, God will destroy Kali Israel and make a new nation out of Moshe. And could God have done that? 100%, right? But Moshe is saying, no, there's another way, right? Which is to save the nation and then do whatever it needs to like, make sure that they do tshuva and like, don't come back to this uh, hate or whatever. Do you hold by the Sforno? Then like, you know, make Mishkan, you know, that, that whole thing, that whole approach, you know. And that is an alternative viable plan. So that move, the, the essential move you're making is a really good one, which is it would not work if, if like only one of these is viable, then you can't say that change your mind. But if it, there's two viable options, yeah. And also, I think this uh, this could flow very well into Ayala's idea about the shoveling because like you're, you're he knows how to, he knows how to, you know, it's like a smooth transition. Yeah, it's right. Like from right. And only a tzaddik can see. Like beyond yeah. the immediate framework that most of us are stuck in, you know, to see what the Rafa Mim is. Okay, right, let's read the Torah to Mima. Okay, and put this aside for a second. Understand what he says as much as we can, and then see if they, we can unify them. Okay. Oh, by the way, just the, the pro tip here. Uh, Rebbe has mentioned in the past that one of the best ways to learn how to understand Midrashim is the Torah to Mima. Okay. And again, the way the Torah to Mima works is he brings down um, Drushos of Chazal from all the key Torah Ball Pass sources, Babli, Yerushalmi, Michalta, Midrashim. And he like uh, arranges them in either verbatim quotes or like paraphrased uh, quotes. And then he has commentary where he explains them. Most of it is halakhic drashos, but occasionally you'll get something like this. Okay. Inyan Midas Haragzanus, Bazed. The concept of Midas Haragzanus is Nira Dahavi Kinui Lishinui Hatava. Is it's a euphemism for changing the nature of the physical world? Okay, Shashina Hakadosh Baruch Hu BiYitzchak Rivka, because Hakadosh Baruch Hu changed nature on behalf of Yitzchak and Rivka. Shahayu Mitivam Akurim, because by nature they were barren, right? Okay, that's what he holds. The Enam Ruim Lehuli, they were not able to have offspring. The Davar Shinui Hateva, and this matter of changing nature, in Ose Hakadosh Baruch Hu Kaviyachol Baratam, God does not, so to speak, do it willingly. Okay, why? Lachad Lishna. Okay, so let's read this this Kamar he quotes. Tanurban. This is a wacky sounding thing. Okay. There was a guy whose wife died. And she left a son to nurse. He didn't, couldn't pay a nursemaid. A miracle was done. And right? He's he sprouted two breasts. Like two breasts of a woman. And he nursed his son. Okay, so then you got two reactions on the Amorim. Amor of Yosef, see how great this man was, then a miracle was done for him. How inferior was this man that the systems of creation were changed for him? Okay, now, it's a great Midrash, right? Now, I, I don't think that this is a Machlokas. Okay, I think that it's they're expressing two. It's it's a double sided coin because on the one hand, the guy clearly must have been on a high level for a nace to be done for him, but he's bemoaning the fact that the laws of nature had to be changed for him because that's not something that God wants to do. Okay, so I actually now remember what I gave over in this year on a Friday. Night. I actually do need to go back to this thing now because uh, I, I did write an article about this. Um, oops, hold on just a second. Uh, 
Hello. Okay. What did I call the article? It was on Bahukosai. Uh, I have not updated the blog in a while because Substack is the new blog. Uh, Bahukosai. 2017. Uh, nope, that's that's the wrong one. Uh, Hukosai. I think it was on Hukosai. Hold on. You can look at all the magical art. <laughs> so fast. Um, yeah. Uh, hold on. All right. The other way to find it is Drushos Iran. Drushos. Uh, wait, run? Oh, no. Let's see. Sorry about this. I have forgotten that this is such a key source. Run, or did I call him Nisim? Oh, yeah. My, my, my uh, label system needs to be reorganized. Okay. Sorry. I knew where to find it. Oh, that, that's the one. I knew it had a, uh, a phoenix. <laughs> that's actually how I knew. Yeah. So I'm not going to go through the whole article, but I want to read this key Ron here. Uh, the Ron says in one of the, the eighth drasha, Hashem's desire and will is to maintain the natural order, the Minhagosha Olam, as much as possible. Nature, Teva, is precious in his eyes, and he will only change it if there is an absolute necessity. Okay. So, um, oh, is that the only part I wanted to read? He, uh, oh, and then there's an excerpt from Rebbe's Tormisinai essay, okay? Judaism is seen through the eyes of the scholars of the Talmud, has its own unique religious orientation. While basing itself on a cataclysmic event, revelation, it does not look to miracles as the source of its intimate relationship with God. God's revelation at Sinai was a one-time occurrence, never to be repeated. This is expressed in Devarim 519, a great voice which was not heard again. In the mind of the Talmudic scholar, God continuously reveals himself not through miracles, but through the wisdom of his laws. These laws manifest themselves in the Torah, the written and oral law, and in nature. Um, and then he quotes a bunch of psukim uh, that are talking about how great um, nature is, okay, and how it shows Chalchmas Hashem. And then he says, uh, while uh, Judaism is based on a supernatural event, it is not oriented towards the supernatural. The essence of Judaism is not realized through religious fervor over the miraculous, but through an appreciation of God's wisdom as revealed both in Torah and in the natural world. A miracle being a breach of God's law does not contribute to this appreciation. This distinction is crucial since it gives Judaism its metaphysical uniqueness. So that's what I think Abaye meant when he said, "Come uh, Adam Not that the guy's on a low level, but like, like you know, um, like uh, what's the phrase that Jews say when they want to say uh, bemoan something? Nebuch, right? Uh, this this guy, like he's the cause of like God messing up nature, you know. So, um, oops, hold on a second. So so now we can go back and answer our questions, okay? And then try to unify it with what Ariel was saying. Hold on, this is not syncing up on my screen, but as long as it's, oh man, it's all, okay, I guess it's good enough. I don't know what it's gonna be, no, hold on. My screen's different than that screen. It is coming, but also this is in the presenter view, which I don't know how it's gonna be on YouTube, so I gotta, okay, slow, slow, slow. Ah, okay, okay, so. Answer to question one, how is Atara different than regular tefillah? So regular tefillah is geared towards aligning our will with God's will. Atara is an appeal to Hashem to change nature on your behalf. Now, this is why I'm holding out hope that there is a way to say that that is also in line with God's will, but it's definitely in a different modality. It's a different framework where you're saying that like, we're going to end up, I, I'm, my plan involves a change in the laws of nature, which is not something that God willingly does, so to speak. Yeah. Is that something only Oh, we'll get to that in a second. I feel like super exhausted. He's exhausted by everything. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Intuition is on the right place. Okay, excessive. I want to say excessive is not just quantitative, but it's qualitative. And that's what, right? In order for him to change nature for you, you have to make a thorough case. So I learned the excessive not as he's just doing the same thing over and over and over again. He's approaching it from every angle. And in his tefillah, in terms of his internal tefillah, is going through, there is no other way that Klal can continue on unless you make Rivka conceive and give birth to a kid. And compare that to Avraham, right? Avraham, I'm sure, also davened. But at a certain point, he said, okay, uh, you know, uh, or Avram Sarah agreed, have Hagar, and like, I'll have a kid through Hagar, and like, that's how we'll perpetuate this system. But like, Yitzhak must have gone through every single possibility. And so, if, yeah, if you haven't done that, right, if you're the guy 
who is asking Hashem, please Hashem, the only way I'm going to survive this year is if you um, make it rain so that I can have good crops. And the guy doesn't realize, well, do you really need to make the money through farming? Maybe it's time for a career change. Like, you know, like he has to see that this is the only way. Uh, answer to the question, how can you dupe or seduce Hashem? So the Midrash says pressured and duped to convey, just to convey that changing the laws of nature is against Hashem's will and that he's reluctant to do it. Right. Meaning, and that's what it means to, 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 um, to pressure somebody, right. Is they don't want to do it. And like you force them. Right. So again, that's the idea is just conveying that it's against it's negative. Hashem. Okay. But you obviously can't force Hashem to do anything. And then why don't we hear about this is because this is a very difficult type of seal to pull off. Okay. And what I want to do, I'm going to summarize, this is the end of the PowerPoint. I'm just going to summarize them. We'll, we'll try to unify it. So it turns out there are two, I don't know if it's better to say two types of tefillah or two types of God listening to tefillah. But I'm going to say two types of tefillah because I think for us, we need to like work with things. One is the basic tefillah where you're working on making your will conform to his will. Okay. Now, if you've done that and you know that God's will is such that bringing about a certain result would be even a greater cue in God's will and that there's no way for you to do that given the current laws of nature. So then you have the advanced tefillah, which is asking God to change nature on your behalf. Okay. And there's different types of focus about what you're doing in the activity of being mispala here. Okay. So in the, in the basic level, you're doing two things. You're focusing on formulating a tefillah, which is acceptable to God, what, which is rational in line with reality. You're doing all the things. Um, oh, this, sorry, I guess that's B and B using that acceptable request to transform yourself by making your desires and expectations more realistic. And I would add to that and prompting yourself to do all the actions that actually bring this about in the real world. Okay, it has to be all of those things. But then the advanced fila is you recognize that Hashem is reluctant to change nature unless that's the only available route. Two, make sure you've already done everything in your control to bring about what you want and then turn to Hashem. And then I'd add a third one. Why is it that only Tadikim, and I might even argue, I don't know, but maybe even only Naveem can do this. I really don't know. Because we say that Naveem can do miracle, open miracles, right? I mean, hidden miracles, I'm not sure about that I think you need a certain level of Yediyas Hashem in terms of knowing what Hashgacha Pratis is capable of and knowing how that works. Knowing Hashgacha Klalis is difficult enough, let me tell you, you know, but like knowing Hashgacha Pratis and what God does and doesn't do and how miracles work and how Scarva owners works, you need to know that. And that's why we say, by the way, and I don't understand what this means, but I know that that like many Rishonim say this, that, um, you know, when it says at the very end of the Torah that... Um, about Moshe Rabbeinu. I should know this by heart, but I don't. Vlokam navi od b'Yisrael k'Moshe, asher yada'o Hashem panim al panim. No navi arose, no other navi arose in Israel like Moshe, who knew Hashem face to face. L'chol ha'osos v'hamosim asher shalach Hashem la'asos be'eretz mitzrayim. For all of the signs and wonders that Hashem sent him to do in the land of Egypt, Lafaro Ulchol Avadav, Ulchol Arto, for Pharaoh and his servants and all of his, in all of his land, Ulchol Hayat Chazaka, Ulchol Hamor Hagadol Asher Asam Moshe Enikol Yisrael, and all of the strong hand and all of the great awesomeness that Moshe did in the eyes of all of Israel. So there is a direct correlation between how great of a navi you are and how great of miracles you can do. Okay, and there's some relationship between Nivua, Tfila, and uh, miracles. Okay. Which is why, by the way, Rabag argues with Rambam on this point. Uh, Rambam says that Moshe is the greatest Navi who ever exists and ever will exist. Rabag holds that Mashiach will be a greater Navi than Moshe. And the, his Raya is actually a good argument, which he says that Moshe only did miracles in the eyes of Israel and the tribe. Mashiach is going to have to do Tchias and Mesim, which is going to be in the eyes of the entire world. And he, I think he gets uh, around the Navi uh, be Israel by saying that Mashiach is going to be like Navi for the whole world or something, you know? So, so my point though, without getting to that, the whole thing is that like, you need to know, have enough ideas Hashem to know how God does these miracles. And apparently there's connection between that idea and bringing miracles about. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's the end of the PowerPoint. So Tamar or Isaiah point off. Are you going to explain, yeah. are you going to go back to explain how this fits into the phrase of changing the stubbornness and anger to uh, Rachman? 
I mean, what we change, we talked about the stubbornness, right? Is that you so are changing it to Rachman. Like, yeah. So the did not explain that, right? The Torah didn't explain that. That's why I'm hoping that um, with Ariel's uh, uh, idea, then we can explain that, or with your idea about the Rachman being a developmental framework. Right now, what I would say is like this: is that you know the way I've defined. Uh, Din and Rahman before based on Rabbi Foreman is, you know, Din is you relate to the thing as it is, and Rahman is you relate to it based on its potential. So laws of nature is the way things are, right? And there's a lot of potential within laws of nature, but if you like do a meta thing and say like all of the laws of nature outcomes are how things are, but then there is a Midas HaRachamim framework of Hashkacha Pratis or whatever that is that God also can operate in, that could be called Rahman. I mean, that's the simplest answer, which I think is what Ariel was saying is that there's like, you know, like I'm trying to think of an example in Torah other than Yitzchak and Rivka where this works or this was the case. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, maybe to express it a little differently. Sure. Um, I think this is like what we're saying, but yeah. like the, in my mind, like I'm kind of like looking at this. Oh, we're like, almost done. Sorry. Yeah. It was nine. I didn't realize it was nine. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, it's like, well, there's almost like two different, um, two different frameworks within within god's overall world right yeah but there's like the like the world of like you know metaphysics and there's like the world of reality like it's in, in physical my, reality mean physical reality because metaphysics yeah. is reality yeah uh i'm sorry uh yeah and like that demands its own thought and it's, 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 it's almost like there are there, it has its, its own rules yeah its own, yeah its definitely own, right yeah practices, right i'm like you know, like the tzaddik is able to, you know, um, you know, he because he understands it, he's able to somehow work within that world. Yeah. D- did we ever do? Did I ever show you the Malbim on Hashem uh, Malach Geus Lavesh? Okay, it's, po- it's possible we should do that next time because that is about the idea that you're saying, and that might help us to understand this. Yeah, but I, I, but I did have a uh, question in terms of like uh, the the we just put on the Gemara about like the two different ways of looking at it. Yeah. So according to the Madamar holds that um, it was uh, you know it was, it was an inferior thing to buy. Like, what would he say about like Yitzchak? No, no. So I, I'm saying it's not a machlokus, and he would say that it is, a, it is a, a bad thing that God had to change the laws of nature for Yitzchak. Obviously, it was, it's good in another framework because otherwise we wouldn't have a Israel, but it's bad. Anytime you have to compromise Kavot Shemayim, anytime you have to tweak that, then that's like a, a Pagam in Kavot Shemayim. But even though he would agree that it was good. Even though he would agree that it's good for Israel, yeah. Yeah. Right. And again, this is the, the extreme version of this is the Rambam who holds that all miracles were programmed into the laws of nature. And, and what compels me to say that in a very, very oversimplified way is that now you don't have to have any sort of intervention in the laws of nature, you know, but it's inelegant now because laws of nature have these like weird exceptions, which I, I was given that this is another thing that like makes me understand this even less. I was sent an essay. Uh, I was asking questions about the Ramam miracles. So, so someone sent me an essay about how the Ramam's view of miracles changed throughout his life. And that that, thing uh in about miracles being programmed to the laws of nature was his early view and that by the time he got to mom of case may seem that he's changed it already uh and so I'm, I'm in the middle of reading that essay but that complicated even more all right let's let me just make one more point and we'll stop for tonight so the question is what do you do when you dive in okay so i think here's the thing is that of course you should never you know um well okay well, you should never we, we we went before about you're not allowed to dive in for open miracles right? Uh, unless it's for the Robin. Okay. Um, I would say that you should really internalize the idea that God will only do level two if you have done level one. So our focus really should be on level one, right? That like, I think that if you are going to Tefillah with this idea of, I wish that God's going to change reality for me, if anything, that that stunts your growth, that keeps you on a level of wishful thinking, and instead, you should be trying to align your will with God's will and change yourself, you know. And and I think what you can do is you can say, look, if God sees fit to change the laws of nature on my behalf, that's his business. I have no idea how that works. And I'm not Zoka to that. And like, and even if I was Zoka, it's not going to be my Zoka. It's going to be the Zoka of the Abba. Like, I think the more you go into it thinking that you're going to dive in to make, to like pressure God like Yitzchak did, that's just Gaiva. Like, like we're not on that level. And so... 
the only way to get to that level is by accepting the fact that I have to completely subordinate myself to God's will. And, and, and that's going to be a better feeling. Yeah. Just on that uh, point, um, you know, I feel like, you know, the, the advanced way of looking at, at tefillah, it, it's like, because like only Tzadikin can do that, it's also dangerous to do that. Also. Yeah. Even if you do the basic one, right. and there's a Gemara, like, I, I remember I did this with Isaiah, actually Isaiah would know this. Um, there's a Gemara that says that you shouldn't daven for for someone to uh, to follow along with you. you. You always bring that up. Yeah, I know. You've done a lot of Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. Otherwise, it'll be like, uh, I think what, it'll be a cope or something, or go off to daven or something. And like, it's because like, like God can't change that. You know, God can't change how someone feels about you. It's just a, you know, but that's different though. First of all, first of all, I still I still uh, challenge you to uh, I, I still don't think that that's true. What's true? The, the, the God, God, of course, God can change that. Right. Yeah, of course, God I'll can change that. Yeah, yeah, you. right. So you, yeah, you keep on saying saying that, and even if I saw the Gemara, I don't know if I would believe that Gemara uh, because you know. So 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 it, so you believe that it could change? So yeah, fine. God hardened Paro's heart. Okay, so it's a muchlach and promise. I mean, it's a different. No, I I believe I believe in the Chumash. And I'm gonna go with the Chumash over an Agarita and say I don't understand the Agarita. You know, yeah. Okay, so it's a premise question. Right, it's a premise question. Yeah, uh, right. Because uh, at least in, in my premise, it would be a little bit. Of a but see, that, that's a, that, that's not even this idea. Because if it, it things that is that are impossible for God to do, it's a tefillah shav if you do it, and it's usher to daven for a tefillah shav. You know, like to have God change the past. Advanced, uh, no, that's not even in the realm of advanced. That that's like worse. That's like it's usher to daven, and God wouldn't even answer that for a tzaddik. You know. If it's impossible, if it truly is impossible. So what do you, so, so what's your promise or promise that it could change and it would be an intense? My promise is that God could definitely change people's emotions. hundred percent. Yeah. And I even say that that is within the realm of, of uh, basic tefillah, right? For example, uh, with Daniel um, facing an angry Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. And davening that Nebuchadnezzar not kill him, you know, and, or Esther davening for Akashverosh, you know, people's emotions can change based. It doesn't have to be like God hijacking your, your brain circuitry. There are many things that can affect people's emotions. So yeah, I think, we, you know, so the way we were learning it with this case, uh, yeah. it was taken was more psychological. Right. So yeah. All right. So that, that we will have to explore that tomorrow. Okay. All right. I, I think this is good. I have no idea. I, I still want to try to get an understanding of Shmuel Leno. I have no idea what we're going to be next week. So we'll see. I also, I something happened with Ellie today that we were reading this rough essay and he opened up this whole other this whole other thing that like I'd read it before, but then because of these, what, this is number six sheer now, then like it had a new effect. And like, maybe we have to incorporate that. It's exhausting. It's good because it's, my feelings are getting better, but like, it's exhausting. I'm maxed out. But what did, what, what did he open up with? Uh, it's, a, it's an essay in the rub in, in, in uh, called the crisis of human finitude. <laughs> All right, let's stop for tonight. All right. Thanks for coming. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. With this rub essay. Yeah. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbischneewos at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.